It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience. And without robbing you of the joy, of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip on Instagram. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. Today's show is also brought to you by Untuck It. Dads come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts, like tall, short, slim, and relaxed. Ever wonder why your father's button-ups look so long and baggy at the end of the day? It can be hard for guys to pull off a casual, untucked look that isn't sloppy, but that's where Untuck It comes in. Untuck It is the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, promo code NBA, to get 20% off. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number, oh god, what are we on? 519 of Lockdown Raptors for Friday, May 24th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Lockdown Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, make sure you're checking out the Lockdown Podcast Network team focus shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Lockdown Fantasy Basketball. If you're getting ready for your dynasty drafts or you're getting ready for the actual NBA draft and you want to sort of get up to date on guys involved there who are going to have fantasy relevance next season, 
Make sure you're checking out Josh and the Locked On Fantasy Podcast. Uh, if you find a show in the network, please subscribe, rate, review uh, if you want to support it. It's the best way to support all the shows, and you can do that on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and Himalaya, which is a great new podcast app. You should download it and uh, personalize your own podcast playlist. That's what it's all about. It's about uh, sort of streamlining the experience. Make sure you're getting on Himalaya if you're in the market for a new podcast app. And uh, let's get to it on today's show. Myself and uh, my pal Vivek Jacob, we're just going to talk about Game 5 in a more analysis-y way, I suppose, than we did on last night's extremely unstructured and bizarre podcast. But there's been a nice response to it, so thanks to anyone who's listened to the party pod we did last night. Vivek, though, what's going on, buddy? Uh, how are you feeling about everything right now? Are you ready to talk about this game in, a, in an intelligent way? Or do you have enough sleep to be able to do such things? Because I certainly don't. I am ready to find out. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I have exhausted all of my, um, you know, minute wisdom uh, on the post-game show and then in the morning on CP24 and then I wrote a column. And so maybe I can just regurgitate all of that into this <laughs> one podcast. It really is at this time of year. Um, this is going to sound like a weird humble brag or something, but like when you get a lot of like media requests to like do radio and TV and stuff, you end up just repeating the same like seven topics over and over and over again, and it becomes just like so easy to like rattle off off the cuff. And I've kind of gotten just like stuck in the same seven points, <laughs> and I I would like to try to branch out in this episode if we can, but I, I'm not sure if we can because here's my problem with this series right now. This is, uh, it's not the most interesting X's and O's series, I don't think. It's a fun series, and the games have been very good, but there's not a lot in the way, in especially on one side of the equation, of, like, really crazy, like, adjustments or funky lineup changes or funky lineups, period. Like, normally a series will have some more sort of intricacies, little chess games uh, off to the side, but... This one doesn't quite feel like that. Do you agree with that? Like, are you feeling the sort of same monotony of like the same sort of talking points every single game, or are you finding little nuances that are fun about this series? Um, I think even Nick Nurse alluded to your point when mm-hmm. he was on the conference call, and someone asked him if he thinks that the Raptors have figured the Bucks out, and he said that he didn't believe in anything like that, that you know every game sort of takes on its own identity and you go about it, but he's like, it's mostly just come down to how hard uh, his team's playing and whether or not they're making their shots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we saw in Game 3 the big adjustment of taking Siakam off Giannis and putting Kawhi on Giannis, and that is a nice chess piece, chess move to be able to make and say... We're going to take the best player that we have and put him on the best player that you have. And it looks like we have a better best player than your best player. <laughs> uh, I believe this, the number is that the Bucks have an 86.5 offensive rating on possessions where Leonard is guarding Giannis and like 114 when anyone else is guarding Giannis. That's, uh, uh-huh. that's crazy. And honestly, kind of shocking to me considering... Coming into the series, I'm not sure if you agreed with me, but I made the point that I thought the best way to use Kawhi was going to be just to have him sort of take Middleton out of the series. 
not use that defensive resource on a guy that is unstoppable, regardless of who's guarding him. But apparently I underestimated Kawhi, which is, I guess, a thing I do all the time because I'm still amazed and surprised by everything he does. Um, but I, I didn't think he had it in him to defend Giannis this way. Is there anything the Bucks can even do in your eyes to sort of free Giannis of the Leonard straitjacket? Or is this just something that as long as Leonard's guarding Giannis, there's just going to be an insanely hard time for Giannis to like get anything going, especially in the half court? I've read some stuff about maybe using him in more screening action and getting him... You know, as opposed to trying to attack from up top where the Raptors can kind of have all eyes on him mm. and game plan from there. Maybe, you know, having Chris Middleton more on the ball and Giannis, you know, playing off that or uh, whether it's Bledsoe um, or Brogdon. That's another thing that they can look at because, I mean, that was supposed to be the the big adjustment, right? Bringing Brogdon back into the starting lineup and... Um, the, the Bucks being able to summon uh, a functional Eric Bledsoe. And so the fact that the Raptors were able to take those two blows, you know, go down 14 in the first quarter, 11 in the third quarter, uh, those are scenarios where the Bucks usually like their chances and the Raptors sort of just plugged away and plugged away. And I wrote about this in my column. I think the biggest difference that I think I've, I, I feel like I'm seeing between Kawhi and Giannis over the course of this series is Kawhi's ability to just dictate the tempo Mm -hmm. and play the game the way he wants to play it and because he can play it in so many different ways you know he can get out and transition he can uh you know post you up and go into iso mode he can make those threes uh there's just so many different ways he can manipulate the game depending on what he feels the scenario demands at the time but with Giannis it's kind of like okay I need to get up and down I need to be you know uh, I, I need a runway to, to do my thing and I, I, when, when you're outside of that and when guys aren't making their shots uh, it's really tough for Milwaukee to win yeah I found myself way more comfortable when the Raptors are in the half court than I thought I was going to in this series the Bucks are a really good defensive team and things aren't exactly coming easy especially for Kawhi considering all the attention they're sending his way but I mean, he's making it work, obviously. <laughs> um, but the like, my thinking at the start of the series, and I think we saw this sort of play out in Game 1, was that just whatever team had the, the transition in their favor was going to win, like whoever was running the most was going to win. And I, honestly, I, as good as the Raptors are in transition, I don't really feel like they need to be running to win this series. And obviously they've proven that. Their half-court offense has been... Like, again, it's been tricky, but the Bucks are kind of seeding a lot of things to the Raptors that are making the half court a little bit more sort of tenable for the Raptors to be in more often than not. I mean, obviously you'd rather be out and running, but the Bucks are a pretty good transition team, and maybe this is a way they're just kind of exploiting sort of a self-imposed weakness that the Bucks are presenting where they're sending so much attention Kawhi's way, and they're giving up so many open threes that the Raptors' shot distribution has kind of changed in this series to sort of reflect that. And I think having a really high volume of three-pointers and stuff like that in the half court is, is kind of okay. And the ones they're getting are pretty good. Like, they're not getting really super contested looks. I think uh, Jacob Mack pointed out last night that um, on NBA.com, every single one of Fred VanVleet's uh, made threes was considered open or wide open. Like, they're creating good looks out of that those half-court situations. And obviously, it's kind of incumbent upon Leonard to be 
playmaking the way he was last night to sort of milk the most you can out of that. But I've kind of softened on my stance that the Raptors need to be running as much as they can to try to outduel the Bucks half court defense because I just I think they can kind of beat the Bucks half court defense at this point the way the the sort of secondary guys are shooting and you're not going to get seven of nine from Fred every game but I also don't think you're going to get two of eight or one of four like two of eight, two of eight from Lowry or one of four from Gasol every game either and so it's kind of balancing out pretty nicely that way. Um, what have you thought of like the shot distribution in this series going into game? Five, the Raptors were averaging 43s a game. The Bucks were at 41. That's not the way those two teams lined up in terms of three-point uh, percentage of you know shots taken or whatever in the regular season. The Bucks are like nearly the Rockets when it comes to putting up threes. But it seems like the Raptors have kind of you know tipped the scales a little bit, and that's the reason they won last night. They won because of math last night, not because of. Like, yeah, the, like they tried hard and there was grit and all that shit that you, like, will have, that coaches will credit. But a lot of it was the Raptors took a bunch of threes and got to the line a bunch and played, like, Maury ball. And it worked out. And it, and it sort of papered over them having a rough night from inside the arc. Are, are you pleased with how the Raptors have kind of changed their shot constitution? Would you expect this to continue if they make it to the finals? Like, is it just, a, a, like, how, how are the Bucks sort of facilitating that from, from, from your eyes? Yeah, I, th- I feel like the Raptors are just sort of this shape-shifting team and can mold themselves into whatever they need to be uh, to figure out the opponent in front of them. And I think that's what's so great about them, right? We're like, we keep having this conversation about identity and identity and identity. And, you know, I think I think we need to accept that, you know, this Raptors team, while you might not have uh, be able to say that they have this sor- or sort of all-encompassing identity of who, who they are. It, it, it is their ability to change and adapt that is their biggest strength. And so, again, with the shot spectrum, you know, they made more, th- more threes than twos in this game. And I think, you know, going going into the next game, if, if that's... if they need something else uh, to win the game, then I, I feel like they have the tools to go ahead and do it. And, uh, you know, Draymond Green has that quote about there being... 82 game players and 16 game players Mm -hmm. and you know i I think you know there's also i think 82 game systems and 16 game systems and the raptors i think because of their ability to change and shape and take whatever the defense gives them like you know at the end of the day in the playoffs there's certain situations where the pressure is so high all you need is a bucket it doesn't matter if it comes from the mid-range or wherever. Mm-hmm. And so those situations where, you know, the Bucks are able to force the Raptors into the mid-range and Kawhi is just able to pull up and get you something, you know, those are big difference makers. And, you know, if, if they're going to dare Van Vliet and Gasol and whoever it is to, to shoot and be volume shooters and they come up big like, a, like the way they have now, obviously Gasol didn't have the game that he's had the past two games. Um... But again, he had that big three down the stretch. He was getting good looks in the first half. He just wasn't making them. Mm-hmm. And I thought the way he closed the game was huge. Um, again, I feel like the Raptors' ability to adapt from game to game. I mean, you know, Nurse saying, you know, rhythm of the night. You, you find that flow in that game and what's working. And the Raptors are so smart. This is why you got this high IQ, um, huge experienced, hugely experienced team. Uh, that they can sort of figure things out on the fly and just, you know, sometimes, how do I say this? It's it. You don't necessarily uh, have to be 
it's not always about being at your best. Mm-hmm. It's about just doing what's necessary. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's there's games this season where maybe we haven't seen the Raptors in their best uh, at their best, but they're able to do what's necessary. Yeah, I think that kind of manifests itself in a lot of the the fourth quarters we've seen the Raptors kind of turn in this year when maybe they've been a little, little listless on defense for three quarters and it's like, oh, shit, got to win this game, I guess, and they lock in. And then in the playoffs, you know, it's more necessary to lock in for longer stretches and they've done that. I mean, the defense in yep. the game yesterday was, like, from the middle of the first quarter on, absolutely oppressive and it was uh, a delight to watch. I want to continue on with this topic of the identities of each of these teams in just a second but first i want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by grip six where their goal is to literally make the best belt that's ever been made grip six is an easy thoughtful gift for dads brothers husbands uncles grandpas even moms and wives see their women's collection to get all of the women's uh, items they have as well ultra lightweight with no holes no flap and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the waist making the belt super comfortable Grip 6 is the only belt with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. Grip 6 has a special offer for you at grip6.com slash lock. That's L-O-C-K-E. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So you mentioned the Bucks and sort of the idea of this like 82-game system versus 16-game system. And I, I this was kind of my thought and criticism of the Bucks coming into the playoffs is that they played a playoff style the entire regular season which is like good but it does kind of I I don't know maybe their numbers were a little bit inflated because they played every Mm -hmm. game as though it were a playoff game all season and like laid off of shooters who were bad shooters in a way that you know most teams don't typically do when you're just scouting on one day's notice and you're not really sort of going all in on sort of maximizing the shot optimization or whatever that the other team is getting and I and they you know they stay with the same system. That's also very useful. We've seen that happen all the time. We've seen it happen with a Budenholzer team in the past, where the regular season system, if you have something that you're so set on and that's something that you're so like you believe in so deeply, and you can roll out in your sleep, that's going to lead to a lot of regular season wins because it's a random night that no that's the other team's not prepared for. They're on a back to back, and like oh my god, this team is just they have their shit together so hard, and it's really hard to deal with. In the playoffs, every team has their shit together, and every team is looking for those margins that the Bucks are sort of exploiting the entire regular season. And well, not the Celtics. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, bad, get a bit of the Celtics lander in there. Bad Stevens strikes again, but now Mike Badenholzer is—he's uh, he, refusing to sort of change from his identity and like I understand it to an, to a, to an extent because it's like you spend your entire season being this good and you win 60 games staying with the same system it's got to be hard to sort of talk yourself into the need to change but it kind of needs to change I think the way they've been playing is not working they're, the way they're defending is not working and I, like the just and they switched a little bit more in game five to be fair and you know that still had disastrous effects because you had Brooke Lopez on Kawhi Leonard a bunch of times which had 
uh, made me feel pretty good about what was going to happen in the in the coming seconds whenever that matchup took place. Like, I, I guess when you don't practice these things all year long and you don't sort of embrace your chameleon side like the Raptors did all season and were kind of forced to because of injuries and sort of a strange rotation that, you know, fluctuated over the course of the whole season based on trades and everything. Um, I, I think it kind of leaves you a little bit more predisposed to sticking to your roots and not really deviating from what you've had just as your, your base foundation. Um, like, would you agree with that? Do you, are, like, are you surprised Budenholzer has been so steadfast and like keeping Giannis's minutes down and keeping sort of everything the way it's been all season long? I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised. I mean, I'm surprised in the sense that, you know, you look at his criticisms from his Atlanta days, that that was one of the big criticisms, right? That he is so rigid um, and committed to his process. And you would think that as someone evolves and grows that they learn from it, but he doesn't seem to have done so. And especially when you've got this MVP candidate, probably, you know, the winner um, at your disposal you you would think in a must win game you'd almost look to run him into the ground but uh, yeah again you know with Budenholzer I think we saw some of that exasperation frustration show towards the end with the way he was going at the refs and uh, I think he will probably look back and think that you know maybe he could have recognized that the tide was beginning to turn after game three. And maybe that was the time to just go ahead and get Brogdon in for Miritich. Because again, we talk about, you know, staying committed to a plan. If you had Brogdon as your starter all season and that worked great for you, mm-hmm. and the only reason Miritich entered the starting lineup was because of an injury, why has it taken you this long to go back to him? Mm-hmm. Why is it taking the Raptors getting back to 2-2 to go back to that? You know, and 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 now you're doing it, and and to do it in the game that you absolutely have to get, and now you know they're almost having to find readjust and find their rhythm again. Um, you're putting your players in a tough spot, so so yeah, I, I think it is puzzling uh, to some degree, and you know, I think I don't I don't want to talk like the series is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's still you know, time for the Bucks to figure things out, and there were there were probably shots in the half court that they feel that they they should have made, and you know, Giannis, the character that he's shown since he's stepped into the NBA, the toughness that he's shown, you do expect them to put up a good fight on Saturday and give it everything they've got. Um, but yeah, to to even be behind the eight ball at this stage. You know, you have to ask questions, and I think that you're right to begin that with Bud. Oh, it's delicious! I love it so much. <laughs> it's it's wild. <laughs> These like really compressed series where it's every other day, man. The swings are so just pronounced and fast. And uh, like five days ago, I was not feeling super hot, and uh, I really do feel like it's going to end on Saturday. I, I just the Bucks yeah. are young and no one's really been there before it feels like i mean i mentioned this last night of the podcast that we did after the game like having been on the receiving end of like death blow losses that weren't actually elimination games that felt yeah. like a death blow loss like that was crushing i agree i yeah yeah it's it's tricky if there's something the bucks 
could do? Like if there's like a change out there looming that you're worried about, if you're thinking, if you're looking at how the Bucks are, have played and you and you have kind of been like, huh, why aren't they doing this thing instead? Is there something that, you are, that you're worried like Bud might clue in on and sort of flip the switch on for game six to sort of to, you know change the tide of the series? Um, I don't know if I'm necessarily worried about it, but if I'm Bud, I would think about going nuclear and moving Brook Lopez to the bench and mm-hmm. playing Giannis at center and bringing Miritic into the lineup back. Uh, I think that's something they could potentially go to. Uh, I think there's some interesting things there. Um, and I, I feel like those, those Giannis center minutes have been pretty good. So... And again, if if, if they're going to match uh, Giannis with Gasol anyway, you know, uh, you might as well go ahead and go all in on that. So I think that's something that they could consider uh, going into the next game. And I think it, it could potentially pose some problems for the Raptors, especially you know if you're if you're now, you know, you, you talk about. We, I feel like we spent a lot of the playoffs uh, talking about matching center minutes, and maybe maybe now if you match Brook Lopez more with Ibaka. Um, that's something that could play out in your favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, I, th- I think those are the th- types of things I would look at. But you know, I, I know I've said a lot about Bud, but man, I, I just want to commend Nick Nurse. Yes, for coming up it, huge in all these big games. You know, we we've criticized him for those certain games where maybe you know he didn't coach desperate enough, and you know they could have maybe stepped on the throat a little bit more uh, in certain situations. But man. To come up big the way he has in games three, games four, game five, um, and you know, especially down eleven in the third, to to just say, hey, you guys aren't giving me what I need. Takes out Gasol, takes out Siakam, takes out Danny Green, mm-hmm. gets the bench in there. Um, they stem the tide. I thought that that was huge. Uh, again, to go down fourteen in the first quarter, um, and you, you you know, you've got you've got the foul trouble that you're dealing with. Uh, and to come out of that unscathed, uh, you know, ooh, ooh, they tra- trailing seven at, at the end of the first. They could have been much worse, right? So, um, I think he's been incredible uh, these last few games. I, I, I know we've said on the X's, X's and O's front, too much hasn't changed uh, over the last few games. But I think understanding those little moments, having a feel for the game, calling timeouts at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, and having the lineup, uh, the right lineups all there, uh, out there, and obviously it helps to have more cards that you can play with, with the <laughs> with the bench playing the way that they have, with Fred playing the way that he has. Um, much respect to him because a lot of people would have given up on Fred, um, and a lot of people did give up on Fred, and there were times where people gave up on Ibaka. Uh, there were times where people gave up on Norm, mm-hmm. and he sort of said, "Hey." We're not winning a title without these guys anyway. So at the, some point, they either figure it out or they don't. But we're not winning a title without them. And you know now every, everything's everything's sort of, sort of starting to align. We just need just need that one Danny game. Yeah, I think everything Nurse has done has kind of demonstrated that he just has such a good handle and feel for this team. And that's impressive yeah. considering it's been one year and there's been so much. Uh, you know, variation in terms of the guys he's had available, but he just he just seems to know the right buttons to press, press right? And, and, and I think the fact that he stuck with those guys 
like to your point, like they're going to be necessary at some point. And if you abandon Fred Van Vliet and you know go for Jeremy Lin minutes or something like that, you don't get that seven of nine night last night from a guy who has a track record of being a very good three point shooter and all this stuff. And eventually, if you're Nurse, and I think Nurse is very much like baked in the data and you know appreciates it, like I feel like he's very much one of these people who expects the regression to the mean. And it came in a tidal wave last night from Fred, and it doesn't come if he gets his minutes scaled back. And I think just the – there was sort of a, a tipping point in the series, I think in game three, when he could have changed the starting five and just sort of you know panicked and been like, all yeah. right, got to change it. we got to do something new here. And mm-hmm. you know there were a couple options there. You could have started Ibaka in place of Gasol after Gasol's two rough games. Obviously, that ended up being a wise decision not to do that because both Gasol and Ibaka were amazing in both of those games. In particular, Gasol, uh, I guess Ibaka only played 14, 14 minutes in Game 3, but Game 4 he was outstanding. And like I know Danny Green is still a topic of concern, and for good reason. He was, again, kind of a, a nothing last night. But if you completely like banish him to bench duty who's to say it ever comes back and maybe it'll still come back maybe he's too hurt or whatever labored to find it again this year but i would prefer they kind of ride with the lineup that's always been good and stick with danny green than just like abandon it and and i think that that sort of turning point in game three that could have been a spot like i think in the past under Dwayne casey and this isn't to disparage Dwayne casey because i think Dwayne casey was a good coach but in the past, I think Dwayne Casey probably makes that lineup change. And maybe it maybe it fixes things. But I think the way that Nurse has sort of deployed his tools in this series and the feel he's had for his bench guys, you know, scaling a guy back when he's when he doesn't have it, you know, not using Norm Powell in game seven against the Sixers because you just didn't trust him, but knowing that Powell is going to be useful down the road and ensuring that he's going to get some run in the next series, like, it's just all been really, really good. And also, like, we talked about Sorry, go ahead. We can. Oh no! I, yeah. I, I was just to, just to add to your point. It's 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 that it's that viral clip of Steve Kerr going over to Steph Curry on the sidelines when he's struggling with his shot and saying, "Hey, well, I know your shot's not going in, but look at all the other ways you're helping us, right?" Yeah, yeah. And you know, by by sticking with these guys, that's essentially what you're doing. You're saying, "Hey, listen, I know you're not making your shot. I know that that's a big part of your game, but you're." Still giving us other things, just hang in there. We need you. You know what I mean. And when a player feels like they're needed, that they're wanted, that they're that their coach has belief in them, at some point you expect it to break through. And it's happened with Norm. It's happened with Serge. It's happened with Fred. I mean, if it's worked out for those guys, you sure as hell expect it to work out for Danny Green. Mm-hmm. The number of times he's referenced Fred's work at the end of Game Three, when I, I mean, I didn't think he was like amazing in that stretch. He hit one three. Yep. And his defense is very good. I thought his offense was mostly bad. But Nurse continually, like three or four straight press conferences, it seems, was just building Fred up based on those 16 minutes. And like, we didn't, we don't win that game without Fred. Fred was amazing. I, I thought Fred did a great job of running the team, everything. And, like, all those little things help, right? All those little, like, bits of confidence boosting. And, you know, trying to figure out what a coach does is probably the hardest thing we attempt and fail to do. And I, I think those are the kinds of things that are like the sort of team dynamic things and the person-to-person relationships. That's sort of the stuff that I think Dwayne Casey was very good at that kind of gets underrated when, you know, a lot of it's based on like, you know, your, your system and your uh, X's and O's and your, your out-of-timeout plays and all that shit, which Nurse is still very good at, as I'm about to get to. But 
the like the, the person-to-person stuff, he really seems to just have a good grasp and a good relationship with a lot of these guys, and I think that is invaluable. Um, We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. As far as we were talking earlier about the, like the identities, we could wrap after this. But we were talking earlier about how like each team, you know, the Bucks have an identity. The Raptors kind of can switch between a few. If they do have one, it's that they're just like one of the most ridiculous defensive teams I've ever seen. <laughs> like this. Yeah. when yeah. they really yeah. want to be, they are like it's it's impossible to score on them at times. And that is that if they do have an identity, it's that. Which is weird because it's the Raptors, and they just only this week got their, named their first ever All Defense player in franchise history. Um, yep. it's just it's so different to have a to, like a team that's just this competent and this intelligent and this just like dogged on defense. Um, I don't know. What, just what are your thoughts on like the way Nurse has kind of deployed the defense in this series in particular? Because it's been. Very good the entire postseason. I think it's kind of taken another, another level even beyond like late in the Sixers series when it was absurd. Um, like yeah. I, I think it's it, it's I'm blown away by the defense of this series, man. I, I just can't get enough of it. Yeah, and to think there was a point in these playoffs where Kawhi Leonard and Marcus All miscommunicated on a DJ Augustine three. Yeah, these guys, they're on a string right now. Um, they trust each other defensively, which is such a big thing that you hear great defensive teams talk about. Um, you know, especially now in this series, where you talk, when you look at Giannis, even outside of those mo- those moments where he's been go- uh, guarded by Kawhi, those times when he gets switched on to Marcus Gasol or gets switched on to Serge Ibaka, they take on the challenge, they embrace it, right? And everyone's on the same page. They they know where to help, when to help. Uh, who they need to help. You look at Kyle Lowry, the way he's defended Chris Middleton. Um, that's 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 I think been another X factor in this series, taking him out. And so again, it kind of goes back to being flexible and the switchability and the versatility. And these are all things we talked about uh, when the roster was built over the course of the summer. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing those things play out now. And if there was one thing that you could attribute that you could expect from the roster you saw in the summer it was for them to be defensive juggernauts mm-hmm. and the 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 way that pascal siakam has grown and been able to defend multiple positions and you know obviously you know he didn't have a great offensive game but again coming up with, with those big blocks um staying in front of guys holding his own when he's up against size um and strength and again when they miss shots on offense and they come back down the other end, no one's shaking their heads over, oh, that was a big missed opportunity. You mm-hmm. don't, even when you're watching the Raptors play, when they miss those shots, you're more encouraged by, you know, just saying, oh, okay, that was a good shot. That That's encouraging because you know on the defensive end they can come up with enough stops and they can go on defensive runs. 
And I think that's the mark of a great defensive team, right? The, the ones that can go on enough defensive runs where all of a sudden they go up six, they go up eight, they, you know, it's a two possession, three possession game, and it feels like more. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, you can see the Bucks almost rushing because of it. And I, I think, you know, the other thing that I'll touch on here is I'll go back to that, uh, that, that J.R. Smith stat of shooting, you know, what was it, 77% from three against the Raptors. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to get, to get up against the Celtics and he's back down into the low 30s or high 20s, whatever it was. And, they, and you know, the number numbers-wise, uh, statistically on NBA.com, it, he was pretty much getting the same number of open shots statistically. Mm-hmm. But there is a pressure difference when you mentally feel the threat of someone of that that someone is going to get to you mm-hmm. and the raptors have this scramble style where even when that ball zips around you know that that siakam's going to get there you know that lowry's going to get there you know they're going to fly out at you and it mentally i feel like it does impact a shooter where maybe they rush it just that little bit extra that split second thought of oh i i got to you know I don't have time to think about, you know, uh, my routine or anything. You know, however I get it, I just go with it. And, um, you know, I feel like that plays an impact too. Yeah, it's almost like they have like a, like akin to like a swear jar where if you don't make the rotation insanely quickly, you have to like pay money. Because <laughs> they're maniacal, man. It, it's, it's just so quick and deliberate and sharp and... It, the, you really get the sense that, like, with some teams playing defense, is just, like, a task that they have to do. But it really does feel, and that goes to your point of them not being upset about missing shots, it almost feels like they like playing defense just as much as they like playing offense. And they're, like, they're insane about it. And they're, they are they just, like, are so geeked up to shut fools down. And <laughs> it's, like, I honestly find... Like, this Raptors team has been very good on offense. They've had, you know, their, their efficiencies through the roof, obviously, and they were, what, top five on offense this season. But the most fun I have watching the Raptors is when they're really locked in defensively. Now, like, the second quarter last night when they went on that run, um, I think it was like a 13-0 run or something like that, and just, like, the number of stops they rattled off. And you can actually see that it's their defense. It's just not like the Bucks weren't just cold. It was, like, the Raptors' defense – Imposing the coldness upon the Bucks, it, it, it's it's really something else, man. It's it's new, and I don't ever want it to stop because it is so much fun to watch. Um, but in fact, I think we probably have covered most of the ground we need to cover here. Do you have any thoughts on Game Six? Like, are you thinking this is over? I would like to think it's over. I don't want to say it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we talk about we get this like a very praiseful podcast, and then they're gonna lose by like twenty at home. <laughs> that would be that would be not great. That would be a nice reminder <laughs> that it is the Raptors, although it does not feel like the Raptors right now. It's it does not feel like the old Raptors anymore. That's for sure. No, and honestly, the way they've played, it'll suck ass if they lose this series in seven. But there's there are no heads to be hung about the result of this series either way, and. Damn it, man. They're a game away from the finals. <laughs> it's One game away. Uh, Five wins away from the first title in franchise history. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it that way, 
yeah, wow. Uh, I think we're going to wrap it there. Vivek, anything you want to plug? Anything you've written? Uh, what do you got going on? Uh, yeah, I wrote, I wrote a column today uh, for Yahoo Sports Canada. You can check that out on the website, or you can just go onto my Twitter feed at VivekMJacob and find it on there as well. Right on. You can find me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and Himalaya. Make sure you're checking out Himalaya if you're in the market for a new podcast app. I wrote about Kyle Lowry yesterday. Uh, it probably is still apt, even though it wasn't the Kyle Lowry show the way I kind of expected it might be in Game 5, um, because Kawhi apparently uh, has a sexy roll around on a on a leg roller and he's fine so (laughs) um so but yeah i think that still applies there was a lot of eric bledsoe slander in there and uh it still is apt so make sure you check that out on raptors hq um oh shit i forgot i have to do a thing today okay we're gonna do this right now okay all right actually you're gonna help me so i have a list here of all of the people who put their names in for the draw for the Carlos Delfino framed picture and the Serge Ibaka and uh, Serge Ibaka and Jose Calderon jerseys. I have... Uh-huh. Uh, okay, i got to count how many people are here. Thanks to everyone who left a review. You're all lovely people. I love you very much. And I'm sorry I forgot that I had to do this draw. I'm on two hours sleep. I don't remember anything right now. I don't remember what I had for breakfast. Um... <laughs> So, let's count here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. There are 16 people's names in the draw. There are... Um, so, I'm just going to number them all here. I'm going to ra- number them randomly, not in order. Uh, yeah. Okay. This, uh, this is probably not making for very good podcasting, but I don't care. <laughs> 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 Six is seven, and you will be eight, and you'll be nine, and you'll be ten, and you will be eleven. Ah, ah, you'll be eleven. Can you, Vivek, can you find me a random number generator on your internet browser if you have one available? Yeah, give me a second. Okay, we're going to go between one and sixteen, and... That this is how we're going to decide this. I'm I'm very excited. I need to get a drum roll thing to, to like uh, play over top of this. Uh, all right, so I've got them all numbered, and I need you, I need you to. to uh, uh, why am I echoing back? What's going on? I am unaware. Okay. Um, so random number generator up to sixteen. Yes. So we're going to okay. go, uh, I'm thinking people will think the Serge Ibaka is the third prize in this, the Jose Calderon is the second prize, and the grand prize is the framed Delfino picture, of course. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you to generate a random number between 1 and 16 for the Serge Ibaka jersey right now. Okay. Uh, the random number is 16. 16! And that is going to at smormon0901, which I believe is the wife of Adam Daniels, who uh, had his wife uh, put in a, 
a thing in a bid because he had already put a review on the page like a couple years ago because he's a hero. So Adam Daniels, congratulations, you have won the Serge Ibaka jersey. Hell yeah! Uh, all right, Jose Calderon, give me a number between one and sixteen. Number nine. Number nine is. Sandro Luketic, Luketic, I'm sorry if I'm messing up your last name, Sandro, but Sandro, you have won the Jose Calderon jersey. He actually DM'd me saying that his best friend is an enormous Carlo Jose Calderon fan, so I'm glad he's won that. That That's cool. Awesome. Sandro. All right, so we got uh, Adam, we got that, and we've got Sandro and the Jose Calderon, and now the grand prize, the framed Carlos Delfino picture. Uh, drum roll. What do we got here for? We have a one and a four. Number 14. 14. The winner. The always shouts to Joey Graham. The winner of the Carlos Delfino picture is at R. Baines 11, Rajan Baines. Congratulations, Rajan. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. You have won the Carlos Delfino framed picture. I will get in the DMs of all of the winners to uh, get their mailing information. Um, if you're close by to Hamilton enough and I can drive you the thing, maybe I'll just do that because it saves on shipping. But um, <laughs> congratulations to Adam Daniels, who's won the Serge Ibaka jersey, Sandro Lukatic, who's won the Jose Calderon jersey, and Rajan Baines, who has won the Carlos Delfino framed picture. Thanks to everyone who put in a review. It's very, very nice. Uh, lots of kind words, and I appreciate it very, very much. And Vivek, thank you for adding 10 minutes to this podcast to help me out with this. I appreciate it. <laughs> it, was actually, it was actually kind of fun, so I enjoyed it. Thank yeah. you for making me part of it. I, I'm glad you could be part of uh, giveaway I'm, I'm history. Here for, here. I'm here for anything Carlos Delfino. Yeah, I mean, of course. You know, I, I own the uh, Team Argentina Delfino jersey, so... <laughs> Uh, all right, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. This was awesome. Big thanks to uh, Grip6 as well as Untuckit and Hotels.com for sponsoring today's show. And uh, we will talk to you on Saturday after the game, maybe from the arena or Sunday morning with another episode, hopefully wrapping up a conference finals win and a trip to the NBA finals. It's still crazy to say for the Toronto Raptors. We will talk to you then with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.